Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Welcome to the third edition of Beer and Honey, or the feeling issue, including Super Snake Legs Bambi Jama Musiala and Super Mario Vincio Griffo. Freiburg as Bayernjäger, the concept of the good feeling and the bad, the unsolved mystery of the handball rule, coaching problems in Augsburg and elections in Bochum, and the latest edition of Learning Fußballdeutsch. Right, formality is not quite out of the way yet because here's your daily, weekly, bi-weekly reminder that we need your support. Please help us keep being honey on the road, keep being honey in your ear, as it were, by becoming a fully paid up member of the Supporters Club. Go to steadyhq.com slash en slash honey or find us by our links on social media. Thank you very much for your support. Hello, dear listener and dear subscribers. My name is Raphael Honigstein. And mine is Christoph Biermann. And we are Beer and Honey, and we are delighted to welcome you to our third edition of our eponymous pod. Christoph, I think we should start with the very best, with Jamal Muziala and Bayern Munich. It's not unusual for them to win at Schalke these days. It's, it would have been a huge surprise if Schalke somehow managed to get something. But afterwards, it wasn't so much the win that everyone talked about, but the amazing performance of Jamal Musiala. As somebody with a slightly more, shall we say, neutral take on these things, were you as impressed as everybody else with Jamal Musiala, who is called Snake Legs by <laughs> Julian Nagelsmann? Afterwards, he said he has these lively legs, snake legs. Somehow the ball always sticks with him. What do you think? Yes, I'm neutral, but not when it comes to Jamal Musiala, because, ah, I mean, as somebody who loves football, how could I not love Jamal Musiala? Because it's, 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 it's the pure joy of watching him um, play football. And what fascinates me about him is it's not only um, the offensive uh, side of, of his game, so that he is a fantastic dribbler with this um, Julian Nagelsmann uh, snake legs, um, but he's also uh, fantastic in his defensive work. Um, so um, he is uh, already a complete player and maybe he could be even one of the stars of the World Cup. I think so, uh, Christoph. I think he will be the stars, one of the stars of the World Cup. I don't see how Hansi Flick can, can leave him out at this point, which might be bad news for Thomas Müller, uh, because I think Hansi will play him in the number 10 position in this 4-2-3-1, probably. Although he can play almost anywhere. That's the uh, nice thing. He can play as a holding midfielder. He can play on the wings, but really his best position is the number 10 because of the amount of options he has on the ball. And of course, he loves to dribble as well. Uh, Lothar Mateus was very effusive in his praise after the game or during the game as well, saying he's more talented than I was. He will be Bayern's Messi. Bayern can never let him go at any cost. And 
I tend to sort of agree. I think we are talking maybe of one of the all-time greats if you continue this this kind of form. I don't think German football has really produced a player like that in, in many years who is so individual, but as you said, also fits into the collective system at the same time with his work ethic. So I think his form... His, his ritual in the form couldn't have come for be- at a better time for this Germany team because in my view, especially against Japan and Costa Rica, they will really need him or somebody like him to do something special to get behind these very defensive sides. And then if you have a guy who's so good at against in the 1v1s or 1v2s and 3s in his case, I think it'd be a huge positive for Germany. I mean, the... You, um You could see it um, at Schalke. He was the one who found spaces where there weren't. Um, I mean, he comes he comes um, through tiny holes and um, and is able to create situations out of nothing. And he is a player, kids like, I think, because he looks still looks like a kid. I mean, uh, his his teammates at uh, Bayern call him Bambi. And um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I'm as fascinated uh, by him as Lothar Matthäus. And um, you have the feeling uh, only the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, it's, it's almost frightening um, to, to see him perform so well at such an, such an early age, still only 19 and arguably the most creative player in, in a Bayern team stacked with, with quality up front. And I think there's a good chance that he will be, as you said, the breakout star for Germany. Fingers, fingers crossed. Um, but from from one player that we can all appreciate to something of a bit more of an acquired taste. Because of, I still have problems, and these go back many, many years, to fully appreciate the beauty as much as there is one, of SC Freiburg. Now, of course, I respect and admire uh, Christian Streich's achievements with his team, but as a footballing um, sort of spectacle, they don't make it easy, maybe not for me. Are you more infused by them now that they are once again the overachievers of the league? They beat uh, your beloved Union Berlin 4-1, to become the Bayern Jäger, the team closest to Bayern, only four points off Bayern and certainly the team of the first half of the season, even though we've been mostly talking about others. What is it? Can you explain to me what is it that makes them so special as a football team? We know about all the you know, the special connection in the city and Christian Streich is a very idiosyncratic person. But as a team, I never quite understand how it is that they get these result, results. Can you enlighten me? <laughs> um, the basics of, of uh, Freiburg's football um, are their defensive qualities. And that's interesting to say because historically, when they came into the Bundesliga, they were called the Breisgau Bra- Brazilians. Um, because at that time under Volker Finke, they played some free-flowing football. They were tactically um, advanced compared to the Bundesliga. There was this famous 5-1 defeat um, of Bayern at that time in Freiburg when 
um, they, the buyer couldn't understand what tactically what's going uh, on. So um, the traditional or historic perception of, of Freiburg is that of these tactical innovators and, and so on. But, but um, And also Christian Streich as a coach started in a way from there. And then Freiburg was relegated. And they kept Christian Streich, but for him, it was a traumatic experience that he, who has been working for, for the club for at that time for already, I don't know, 15 years or so as a youth coach in, 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 several, um, in several teams, was responsible for his club to go down to the second division. And, and they, they returned to the Bundesliga and then uh, Streich became cautious. Um, in his way of playing. And he was always like uh, almost neurotic uh, in, in, in trying to avoid relegation, was always talking about avoiding relegation and, and so on. And so that is the core of, of, of their, their um, approach to football. But what happened, especially in the last two years and, and also in 20. 22 is um, they made a huge um, step up. So when we look at the uh, German World Cup squad, they have two players in there uh, with Christian Günther and um, Matthias Ginter. And that is spectacular for, for a, a, a club uh, like uh, Freiburg. And um, We've been talking about um, in on um, last week uh, with Union and Frankfurt of having the best year of the hist in the history of the club, and that's also true for Freiburg. Um, they uh, qualified for Europe again. They reached the German Cup final in the Europa League. Um, they ended the group stages uh, without a loss and and went through. So that is fantastic. They have the new stadium, and the new stadium. It's it's um, very interesting to 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 think about this new stadium because um, when they started to to build it, a lot of people in Freiburg were saying, "Ooh, it's too big. It holds uh, thirty six thousand people," and they had um, twenty four at the old Reisam Stadion because they are so, traditional people in this area. Um, of the country are very skeptical and now it's sold out and they're also creating a, an a impressive atmosphere there. So altogether this club has made a huge development especially in the in the last two years but coming back to to, to your initial question it's um, it's based on on a very um, strict defensive order and then, the quality of, of, of players uh, that that you have has been upgraded and upgraded for uh, a long time, but not not with a big jump, but um, uh, continuously. Yeah, gradually. I, mean, I, I still find it sometimes hard to understand why they're so good. Yes, defensively, they're very solid and their work rate is, is second to none. But they also, they always seem to get, well, very often seem to get the breaks. Like the important moments, they have a way of not conceding or then scoring the other end. In these close games, Freiburg are kind of the masters in, in getting results. At least that's how I 
my brain processes them. Now, <laughs> this particular game against Union, the uh, duel of potential Bayern Jäger, it wasn't close at all because Union did what they did the other day. Uh, where did they... Uh, In Leverkusen. Yes, against Leverkusen, which is to concede and then open up completely and then get steamrolled uh, on the break. Uh, what's going on? Have they forgotten uh, what uh, the principles of Urs Fischer's football are or are they losing their heads or uh, what's going on, Christoph? With you, could, you could see in the second half um, when there were uh, one, uh, one player down um, that they found it again, their, their order. But, but you're right, they were losing their heads. It's, um, but, but also, I think we have to talk a bit about the referee here because um, was a first penalty for you a handball penalty? Um, how did you see it? I mean, um, Christian Günther um, brought in a cross from the left side of the field and from one meter or so or two meters, um, he shot at the hand of um, Union's uh, uh, captain Christopher Trimmer. You could see there was no active movement t towards the ball, and 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 that was in the first minute or, or so of the um, the first attack of of uh, Freiburg, and um, and that changed the run of of the play. And also when I l look the at the um, Second penalty because we had altogether four penalties in the in in, in this game. The second penalty um, for Freiburg, um, uh, where <coughs> Ritz Dorn was fouled, and he was obviously fouled, but um, also Diego Late, the um, uh, Portuguese defender, was sent off, and I didn't see it as a red card. And there were a lot of refereeing decisions, um, not only this weekend, but altogether this season that uh, looked strange to me um, that we have a discussion, a big discussion going on right now in, in Germany about um, the, the referees. But um, I don't know. What, what do you think about it? Is it, Christoph, is it the quality of the referees that's a problem? I would say partially yes. Is it a problem of VAR getting involved too often. I would say that's also an issue in Germany. Is it that the handball rule is weird? Yes. And is it also that the the punishment for handball in the box seems to be almost sort of out of line with the crime? It feels as if now with VAR being quite interventionist and picking up lots of handballs that otherwise would have been missed a penalty seems a very seems almost sort of an exaggerated consequence of that and i feel it feels out of line with what the law in football should be have we found out that the law itself is problematic because now we see it more clearly perhaps we know now from this expected gold stuff that a penalty is a 75% goal. And um, as we know how rare goals are in, in, in football, very often it's the most influential decision in a game. It's almost as um, influential as a, as a red card. And 
And um, if you see that within the framework of the rules, what is a handball and what is a penalty, um, and um, the 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 as you said, the crime and the the punishment, it it it, it doesn't fit. And even if it's a true within the logic of the rules. When the rule is wrong. Yeah, it's going to be difficult because if you want to change it, then I think it t it'll have to become even more subjective that you say, okay, the test is whether the ball was going towards goal or whether you were really preventing a clear goal. You have to sort of qualify it in a way that will make the rule even more complicated. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be a mess. Every attempt to make the law clearer always seems to result in it making it more difficult for people to understand because it becomes more and more technical. You know, what does it mean to have a bigger body? What does it mean to be active? What does it mean to be deliberate? It's, it's very, very tricky. Very, very tricky because it's the only law that takes intention into account. Because if you foul somebody accidentally and there is a degree of sort of recklessness to it, then it is always a foul. But if you handle the ball, you have to then look, what was he really trying to do? Was he trying to handle the ball? Was he not trying to handle the ball? I, I don't know if there's an easy way out, but I agree. I think we both agree that the status quo seems seems wrong anyway this is not something i think that we'll be able to solve in this edition of beer and honey so let's move on to another story that you briefly mentioned of a club that is just having a fantastic year fantastic season fantastic calendar year one of their best ever and that is of course eintracht frankfurt who only managed to get a draw against Mainz in the big derby, but end the year on a real high, having qualified for the last 16 in the Champions League, having won the Europa League and looking very good for another Champions League qualification potentially. I thought, I must admit, Christoph, and I don't know how you saw it, that when they had that poor start to the season domestically, that this would be a typical case of a team doing quite well in Europe, but not finding it possible to deal with that pressure of having Real Madrid one week, or in their case Spurs, and the next week it's, uh, no disrespect, Bochum. But they seem to have found that consistency. Yeah, and um, and they also have a player that we have to, uh, to praise here. Um, a player that was... Um, the equivalent of uh, Jamal Musiala in the beginning, because uh, Mario Götze, we were looking, in a way we were looking at him as we are looking at Jamal Musiala uh, 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 today. Um, I remember, uh, uh, so I'm not good, not very good in, in remembering certain situations that I saw in the football stadium. But there was one uh, when the very young Mario Götze were playing some team. I don't remember uh, who it was. When he was standing 
very close to the sideline and then the high ball came towards him and three defenders. And you had the feeling that um, his, his heartbeat was not even going up. I mean, three huge blokes who were running at him to get the ball from him. And, and then he, he, he stopped it dead and made a, a little step forward and the three defenders were like, um, they were not seen again. He found a, one of these tiny holes that also Jamal Musiala is able to find. And so he was that fantastic player. And then we lost him in a way. I mean, he, 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 went, to, um, he went from Dortmund to Bayern. Um, I think you wouldn't disagree to, to say it, it wasn't a big success for him. He returned to Dortmund. It wasn't a big success either. Then he, in a way, vanished to uh, Holland, where he played for PSV. And, and now he's back and he looks fantastic again, but in a grown-up way. And it's, it's, it's nice to see... Uh, this development of him, and um, and I, I see that um, um, I, I have a, I found out that I have a lot of sympathy for what he's doing um, um, on the on the pitch. And he was uh, yesterday uh, when they were playing at Mainz, he he delivered the assist to um, Kolomuani, and that was just fantastic. How he flipped the ball in into the space uh, for for Muani, and yeah, um, I enjoy and yeah, it's and it's a it's a feel good story now. The story of Mario Götze. Absolutely, um, I don't think anyone can can disagree. We all I think are happy that he's back, and it's it's amazing because only eight years ago. He had such a difficult World Cup and people were really, I'm talking about uh, the press, really unhappy with him because I think that insecurity that perhaps he felt about his own game was read as arrogance and aloofness because he wouldn't engage with anyone. And having had a really bad bad World Cup, of course, he then turns into the the hero in the final. But now... I think there's much more appreciation of the of his struggles, of all the the things he's been through, uh, physically with his illness, mentally. I think it's been it's been hard for him, and the story of sort of somebody kind of reconnecting with his own promise to a certain extent, I think, is 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 just beautiful and uh, quite inspiring. So it's nice that he's he's there. I'm not sure how much game time he will get. I have a hunch that he might not actually see much action. But uh, Flick has clearly decided that he can offer enough, even in the dressing room, that it's no risk, if you will, to take him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lovely story. It really is. And now, because it's, I, I don't know, I, I try to find the connection between this lovely story and the uh, new uh, edition of our Learning Fußball Deutsch. Learning Fußball Deutsch with beer and honey. And uh, because the, the word we're talking about is, Raphael, 
It's Spielglück. Is there an equivalent to it in, in English? No, and this question will be asked repeatedly, I think, when it comes to Fußball Deutsch, and the answer almost every time is no, because German has names for everything, and English doesn't, and most <laughs> other languages don't. They have expressions that describe what we're talking about, but not a compound word. And the compound word is Spiel and Glück, which is game and luck. And it basically means getting lucky in the game. But the bigger meaning sort of is kind of getting the breaks, um, what Freiburg tend to do. You know, having luck at the right moment at the right time, because luck in itself is, is not enough, but you also need to get lucky with your luck. And that's what, uh, what Spielglück is about. And Spielglück is new. I mean, it's 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 a new expression in Fußball Deutsch. Um, I, I I would say it came up in the last two three years when um, uh, coaches and players and commentators uh, were increasingly using Spielglück. And uh, my explanation for it is um, uh, that um, we are now the concept of of chance in football is um, is better understood by uh, uh, more people and uh, so um, uh, I, I think it's 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 a case of um, a modern thinking about football let me put it like this yeah even though it doesn't it sounds very simplistic and sort of anachronistic to talk about Spiegel but you're right it is a reflection of people understanding the the role of chance much better and i wonder if we will if the next level is then people will look at game state more mm -hmm. game state means what is the score at any given moment is it a draw is one team leading is one team losing and how that is connected with expected goals because it can have an effect mm -hmm. and how luck of course then is even more enhanced because it's different To get lucky when you're three nil up, than when it's um, when it's zero zero. But that's for another day, perhaps. We have uh, two examples of uh, Spielglück, um, or had two examples of Spielglück uh, this week, and uh, one is Leverkusen, who um, got uh, nine points out of possible nine in uh, last week. Um, they they didn't need Spielglück against Stuttgart, but they were very, very lucky to win away at uh, Cologne um, in the week 2-1 um, when they Cologne was clearly the better team. And also Wolfsburg, who were uh, winning 2-1 uh, this Saturday at uh, Hoffenheim. And um, they were 1-0 down and very luckily uh, winning 2-1. And Maxi Arnold was saying um, afterwards, um, football is awful. If you have a run, you, you even win such games. <laughs> and so he was, uh, um, he, he, he was very open about it because it was now four wins in a row, I think, for Wolfsburg. And uh, yeah, they had a perfect week. Uh, Leverkusen, Leipzig uh, also. And, uh, and Bayern, obviously. And maybe here comes the um, concept of the good feeling. 
And the good feeling is something I learned about when I was with Union Berlin. And um, so, so um, I, I was spending the, uh, I spent the season with uh, Union Berlin in 2090, 2020 uh, to write a book about it. Um, I was um, embedded as a, as a journalist. So I learned a, a lot about the internal workings of a professional football teams and something was Fischer was very often and not only him, uh, him but um, also uh, all the other people in the staff and um, and in the team is um, das gute Gefühl, the good feeling. That was something they were always looking for and the good feeling is um, something that comes uh, when everybody is um, feeling okay, things are not going wrong on the pitch and also off the pitch. Is the travel okay? Are the hotels okay? Is the food okay? Is the treatment, uh, the medical treatment and, and of the players, is everything going smooth? And do we have a good feeling about it? And that also includes um, the good feeling uh, of obviously the, the the best feeling you can get is if if you win and um, so especially um, so I, I have asked myself the question who has that um, good f a good feeling before this long break and who has a bad and um, I mean we talked a, about a lot of teams who had a will have a good feeling. I mean, Bayern and, and Frankfurt and Freiburg and, and uh, Wolfsburg and Leverkusen who turned it round under Xabi Alonso. Um, but there is also the opposite of it. It's, it's uh, uh, the bad feeling. And we had um, mentioned Cologne already, tired towards the end of a uh, long part of the season um, with zero points from uh, three games. And um, and Hoffenheim also losing all three last week. And interestingly, if you look at the last nine matches, the two teams with the least points, apart from Schalke with only uh, one win uh, against uh, Mainz, it's uh, Hoffenheim with six points and Cologne with eight points. So there's a lot of uh, room for for the bad feeling. But not only for them. Yeah, is the good feeling and the bad feeling is it the cousin of momentum? It's it's probably the father of of, of momentum. <laughs> so I, uh, I am your father. <laughs> but, but it's 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 chicken and the egg question. What what's uh, there first? Is there first the good feeling and and you get the momentum out of the good feeling? I think the good feeling is something, um, and that's what I learned. I mean, how how it's perceived with the Union guys is that's something you can influence. You can work on it. You can you can think about is everything going smooth? What do we have to correct? Is our tactics right? Because that gives you a good feeling when you're on the pitch, and 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 you have something to do. You are able to do, and not some crazy idea that you have where a player says, "What? Uh, no, that doesn't work." And if it doesn't work, you have a bad feeling on the. On the pitch, so I think um, the the good feeling is is something that can be influenced, and the momentum is more like this. Uh, I don't know. It's something you can't. Uh, it's a mystical 
intangible cosmic <laughs> thing. Yeah. And this cosmic thing is is right now not going. Uh, it, it's not 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 there at at Borussia Dortmund. I think you agree. At oh, nice segue. <laughs> yeah, nice segue. But Borussia Dortmund's main problem, I was told on a very influential German podcast, is is that they have real problems scoring goals. It's not that they're defensively shambolic or anything. Um, but somehow. I'm not sure that's the only problem they have, Christoph. Uh, they lost 4-2 on Friday night at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And some of the defending was just incredibly bad. Incredibly bad. Yeah, you're right. And um, I brought up the theory uh, last week and, and it's in the bin already. And um, uh, <laughs> so, uh, as you as you wisely said, um, uh, they have problems on both ends of the pitch. I wonder what the reason is for it. Um, there was this um, very dr almost dramatic support uh, for Edin Terzic by um, Hans Joachim Watzke, the the big boss of Borussia Dortmund. He was like. Uh, we are uh, one thousand percent behind him, and 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 stuff like this, and uh, and Ilin Terzic. I mean, he he is a, a fantastic guy, and and he is loved by all Borussia Dortmund uh, supporters. And um, but um, he will have to a lot to think about, and probably also to work um, in this long long break uh, until the season restarts. Yeah, it was interesting that Terzic got, got this backing by by Watzke. It felt, even though it was slightly bombastic, it felt genuine to me. Mm -hmm. I think it, it does reflect the, the club's conviction. But of course, in football, as you know, conviction only goes so far. Uh, if Dortmund continue to, to underperform, then I think things will become difficult for, for Edin Terzic. I mean, even if they win the next two games, that still leaves them with 31 points from 17 in in the first proper half of the season, the first 17 games, which is is bad. Um, really, really bad. Uh, I remember Lucien Favre playing for um, a, a season where he had 30 in the first half of the season and then the next season he had 30 in the second half of the season. No, it was the other way around. Uh, anyway, it's just nowhere near good enough. You can't be heading for 60-odd points if you're Borussia Dortmund. You have to get into the 70s. You have to aim to get into 80 if possible, although they've only, I think, done it twice in their, in their history. But you don't seem to have an answer why, why it is that they can't defend all of a sudden. Or maybe not all of a sudden, but certainly why they can't defend Not all moment. of a sudden. They, they, they have a new... Um, defense with um, Zule and, and and Schlotterbeck, and um, but um, and it's it's as we know, it's it's not only uh, the central defenders. I mean, Mats Hummel had a terrible day at at, at Mönchengladbach, and um, uh, and that was um, a bit surprising. Uh, maybe maybe it was a his frustration of uh, showed that he wasn't nominated for for the German for the World Cup by by Hansi Flick 
uh, we don't know. It's a huge problem because um, it now looks like the um, qualification for the Champions League uh, for Borussia Dortmund is seriously in doubt. And um, and that's for for the club. That's um, um, that's a decisive question because if if they don't qualify for the Champions League, they they are in in, in big trouble financially. Yeah, that 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 is the red line, isn't yeah. it, for the for the club? Yeah. Okay, Christoph, but do we have to praise also the other Borussia a little bit? Yes, yes, of course. Um, uh, there is. Not the talk of Farke ball in, in Germany as it was in England or at least in Norwich. <laughs> um, but what you can see is um, on a good day, his kind of football um, is fascinating, actually. Um, and um, it's it has, um, I don't know how, how to describe the certain quality of um, it's it's like a on a good day it's like a a, a, a well-run machine clack 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 and then you have um, uh, because the positioning on the pitch seems to be very good everybody seems to know what to do and 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 if you get this into running it's it's um fantastic to 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 watch or uh, as it uh sometimes was fantastic to uh, to watch norwich city uh on 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 good days and um and we 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 have to wait um and have to see um uh if the balance of of the other borussia of borussia mönchengladbach will be come better over the uh over the season um because i mean a few days before they lost in bochum and um and uh, they seem to have problems with very physical uh sides that work relentlessly against the ball and 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 so on so um but yes we have to praise them um, the the good elements of Farke ball can uh, br- make Borussia Mönchengladbach supporters really happy. Mm. Now, meanwhile, they're still only in eighth, which is, I think, all right, but not quite in line with their expectations and hope. Let's see, as you said, if a bit more time with the team, especially over the winter break, will help this make a slightly more functioning side. They certainly have quality with Markus Tiram having a, a great season. Uh, maybe that's something to discuss, Christoph, in our next Fußball Deutsch. Is there a, is there a um, an expression for a player playing well in his last contract year? <laughs> because this seems to be happening quite often. We'll 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 think about that. Um, more problems, though, for a former Borussia Dortmund coach, uh, Enno Maaßen not having a great time at Augsburg. Now, I saw enough of Augsburg to think that actually I can see what he's trying to do. It'll all be okay in the end. But recently the results have been have been quite poor and it looks as if they might be in a in a real relegation battle. What's what's going on there? Do you think the um, the question, especially after they lost 1-0 um, against uh, uh, Bochum, was um, 
How can you lose to Bochum? That was probably the question. How could you lose to Bochum? That's true. After they had lost uh, their uh, seven away games before that uh, travel to Augsburg. And how could you lose um, to Bochum and deserve it to lose? And (laughs) so... They, the question I think is that that will be discussed in Augsburg internally or in public is um, about the training regime because the team looked so tired. It was unbelievable. I mean, they have this very physical uh, kind of football where um, they um, abandoned the midfield. They're banging up the balls, the long balls, to, towards a, a lot of uh, striker that they bring on the pitch. And um, and to to play this kind of football, you need a, a a physical fitness that they didn't have. And they also had a, have a lot of problems in in the first half of the season or in this first fifteen games of the season with injuries. And and if you you put that together, you can ask, hey, uh, is there something wrong about um, of the training here? And uh, yeah, and I think this will be discussed in Augsburg. And what do you think the answer is? They will they will try to to, to change it, or um, I don't know. I um, maybe they they change their f- f- um, athletic coach or at least. Uh, at least it's it's obvious that they have uh, to revise this uh, aspect of their game because it's too important for them. Okay. Well, Bochum is, is of course, a team that you already mentioned, a team close, uh, dear to your heart. And our, our listeners would be disappointed if we didn't get the weekly um, or bi-weekly Bochum segment in uh, Christoph. What what's happening there? I understand elections are coming up. Are you are you standing for president? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. And um, but the team doctor is is standing up, uh, and and that's uh, something. I, I do. Have you ever heard something like this? That the team doctor is is wants to is a candidate against the standing. I, we, we don't call it president. He is Vorstandsvorsitzender. So, but but he is. Te- He's the chairman of the board. Yeah, but yeah. but 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 he is uh, uh, the the president. And um, so so the the team doctor is um, is running against the standing uh, um, a president or, uh, or Vorstandsvorsitzender Hans Günther Phillips and um, and he brought in a team that includes. Uh, uh, Bochum legend Marcel Maltritz, uh, a, a defender that played many years for Bochum, and uh, Ralf the Cat Zumdick, Ralf Katze Zumdick, who is uh, who, who was their goalkeeper in uh, when I was young. So that was long ago in the eighties, I, I, I would say. But but I think they won't have a big chance because already um, very influential fan clubs um, uh, support the, the the standing president. And um, but at Bochum, everybody is going into the winter break with, as Thomas Letch called it, a super feeling. So <laughs> because they think that they can actually stay up, having won that game against uh, Augsburg which gives them a bit of a lift at the end of the table. 
Um, they're within within touching distance of safety. Let's show uh, shall we say. What is true uh, is that you could see that uh, Thomas Ledge was not only having Spielglück. Um, but he increased um, the performance um, uh, dramatically over the weeks. So, um, yeah, there is, there is hope now, but I'm still a bit pessimistic, as ever. You don't want to jinx it. I mean, they're only one point adrift of Stuttgart and Hertha in 15th and 16th respectively, and Augsburg in 14th with 15th, so all to play for in this uh, second half of the season, which would be longer than the first half because two games are still outstanding from the first 17. So we got 19 games coming up from January. <laughs> but uh, we'll be, of course, uh, continuing to give you some, some German football-related insights throughout the winter break. And uh, our start to that uh, Bundesliga-free time will be a special World Cup edition of BN Honey, our first of many. And it'll land later this week when Christoph and I will be discussing Germany's attitude to the World Cup, supporters' fatigue, and perhaps one or two players who might be doing something special or should have been at the World Cup but missed out. All of that to come in our special subscribers-only edition of BN Honey later this week. Keep an eye out for that. We're really looking forward to to have you again this week. And um, and I say bye-bye. And I say bye-bye. And I say also, don't forget to subscribe because you really help us uh, keep going. Uh, you go to steadyhq.com slash en slash BN Honey or just Google BN Honey. It should be coming up on all your regular podcasting sites. Thanks for your support and speak to you soon. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.